Hello and thank you for listening to episode 275 of 60 Minutes With. I'm Dave and this is another of our Soundcheck interview shows. And in this one I get to chat with guitarist, singer, songwriter Kirk Fletcher, ahead of the release of his latest album, Blues Pathway, which is released on September the 25th by Cleopatra Records. And I've been lucky enough to have had an advanced digital copy of it and I've been playing it for a few weeks now. And you'll hear me talk about it with Kirk on the show. It's really, really good. So do yourself a favour, pre-order it now. It's it's a great album. So again, you know these shows, uh, you don't listen to them to listen to me. You listen to them to listen to the guest. Uh, this is a show as well, I should remind you, that is also available on our YouTube channel. There will be a link to it in the podcast notes. So if you want to have a look at me and Kirk having a chat, you can do that. Once again, I'm tucked away in the top right-hand corner. You don't have to look at me. It's all about the guest. I'm well aware that I have a face for audio shows, so I just took myself away there. But that show is on the YouTube channel. If you'd like to subscribe to us, that would be great. It's another thing that you can do to help us get more interview guests. Uh, If they just do have a little look, or the PR companies have a little look at the YouTube channel, the more subscribes they see, the better it is, the more it reflects on us as a podcast. But of course... These audio shows will always be the focus. They will always be released on audio too. So don't worry that we're going video only. We are never going to do that whatsoever. It's just another outlet for us. That's It's kind of fun. Uh, if, a, if a little different, we're still getting used to it here at 60 Minutes with Towers. So uh, yeah, bear with us while we uh, just have a little play with that. So without further ado, I shall shut up at last. Thank God you're thinking. And uh, you can have a listen to me and Kirk Fletcher have a chat. Kirk, first of all, again, I, everybody knows, regular listeners, regular viewers to these video shows, they know that I always begin by thanking the guests, of course. But today, not only do I need to thank you for giving me some of your time, I need to thank you because we rearranged the schedule so we, that we could do this on video and actually see each other too. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Glad to be here. That's fine. Now, of course, I want to talk about your upcoming album, My Blues Pathway, which is going to be released on September the 25th. I've been very lucky. I've been sent an advanced digital copy of it. I've been playing it for the last few days. I really love it. So I'm looking wow. forward to some chat on that. I think it's a great album. Thank you so much. Before we get into that, of course, I've got to talk a little bit about you, a little bit about music in general. And sure. I've been reading some stuff up on you and I've been watching interviews, of course, as well as listening to your music. And I found it fascinating of how you and the guitar stems back to your older brother, Walter. Yes, uh, and, and how absolutely. That, yeah, and you saw him. Um, do you ever think, I mean, I thought of this because I'm, I'm an only child, so I've got no siblings that to influence or to lock up to or, you know, for any yeah. sort of inspiration. Do you think if Walter, say he played a different instrument, for example, was it the guitar and the sound of the guitar that drew you in? Or was it because your older brother had got it and you thought, oh, that looks good. And because Walter had got that, because I thought, if say you'd got a violin, for instance, would you think you'd be drawn <laughs> to the violin? <laughs> well, you know, my older brother was a very charismatic type person and a very influential type person, just him as a person. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a combination of all of those things. I think because he done it, I think because it was cool, kind of. And I also just, for some reason, I've thought about this a lot over the years. I really feel like I was born to play guitar. Mm -hmm. It's almost like I could 
play the guitar before I could actually play it. When I remember back to being, you know, eight or nine years old, it seems like it was almost just predestined for me to play the guitar. I just loved it. I loved everything about the guitar. When I was a little boy in church, I would just sit next to the musicians. I would love to hear people sing, and I was just drawn to music, drawn to, you know, my brother playing guitar. (laughs) And my sister-in-law and her uh, family, they would sing at my father's church. So I would just always want to be around them all the time, you know, because they was they were singing and playing. So I would definitely say it's a combination of all those things, you know. Did you ever get any frustration when you were learning the guitar? Because, I mean, I've got one over my shoulder there and it's been there ages. And I'm sure I speak for a lot of people who think, oh, it'd be great to play the guitar. And so you get one and you pick it up and then five minutes later you're you're not playing it like you want to. And and you need that patience and an obvious love for it as well. So it very often hangs up there, but and me looking at it thinking, oh, I wish I could play that. So did you yeah. ever go through that as well? And you thought, oh, it, it, the frustration side of it. You know, I, I never went through that, actually, because I was so drawn to it and I loved it so much that I just loved the process, you know, as far back as I can remember. You know, I never it never was a time because I would go to school, come home think about guitar all day at school and it's, you know, just hoping that it would, you know, the, the day would go by faster so I could get home and play the guitar, you know? <laughs> so it never was really that frustrating thing. Cause I think I was so young and I started so early that it's like reading or doing math or anything else. It's just something that you just enjoy to do. You want to do it. So you just kind of enjoy the process. And I actually tell, you know, some of the students I've had, you know, just enjoy the process. Enjoy that you don't know this and let each day be like a inspiration to try and figure something out. If it's just one little thing, one note or a little chord or anything you know just enjoy the process and don't think about how long it's Mm -hmm. taking or whatever you know because I mean you know most people say well how do I get to play guitar like you or how do I you know do it and I want to do it faster and everything well you know I've invested my whole life in the guitar (laughs) you know (laughs) you know how do you fly an airplane you know in a day or whatever (laughs) It is, and I think having that passion helps as well. Yeah, and and I think absolutely. blues music more than any other genre of music is really, and it comes through with, with passion and emotion. I did a show well, last month, I think it was, with Kim Simmons from Savoy Brown, British oh, cool. blues bands. Yeah, and I was yeah. talking to him about it. With with blues music is is a genre of music that more than any is all about emotion. You can you know you can feel it when you listen to it. And, Let's not even begin on the live shows, which unfortunately are few and far between yeah. at the moment, where it really hits you in waves. What do you think it is, mm-hmm. it is about the blues in particular that's so heavy on the emotion and the listener can can genuinely feel it? Well, you know, I it's it's uh, it's kind of uh, I'm kind of coming at it from a different way because coming from, you know, gospel mm-hmm. music and yeah. coming from the church it kind of just all seem one in the same. It's like, you know, everybody in it, you know, together, yeah. it's all about togetherness. Like, 
you know, you take Saturday night at a club. Everybody's there, and they're like, with you, and you're playing the blues, and you're feeling it, and you hear the guitar, and the singing, and, you know, it's just this whole thing, and you dance and everything. Then you turn around Sunday morning, and you kind of do the same thing, but you're just talking about, you know, religious things, you know, stuff like that. You know, so it's sort of like all kind of combined in a way, you know, so that's really how I look at it, you know, and it's, and it is absolutely a emotional type thing, you know, and it's direct, you know, and it's just stripped down of all this other stuff, you know, and it just kind of reaches you in the heart, you know, and that's why I love it and why it's been a big part of my whole musical makeup, mm-hmm. really, you know. See, I wish our churches were like the gospel churches that you grew up in. Our churches are, are just so dull. <laughs> just, That's what all my friends oh, say. They're like, man, I wish church was like you know yeah, that for us. They should be because it's it. You know, if, if you if you're religious and you want to celebrate, it should be like those gospel churches over here. It just seems <laughs> uh, depressing more than anything. Oh, so I, wish I mean. You, Yeah, it's like, you know, I might not be the most religious guy now, but what I really took from the church and my upbringing and everything was really the spiritual type thing. And spiritual meaning, you know, like the way it moves you, the emotion of it, the way, you know, you connect with it and connect with other people. And that that whole part of it is what I really took from the church. You know, we're all in this together. kind of Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's join the team. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, regular listeners to the show and viewers, because we started doing the video shows now as well, they know rock music is my genre of music. I yeah, up, yeah I got into rock music in the late seventies, and then of right. course, like anything that you find, you know, that you get interested in, you get a passion for, you start looking into it, and then I saw, okay, rock music, it, it's it's born from the blues. So I started looking into the blues. So I I go. It's again the late seventies, early eighties to yeah. a record store. Remember those days? You'd walk into a record yes, store. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> the good old days when you used to do that. So I went yeah. to the I went to the blues section, and I'd got no idea ab- about who was who. So I just picked up one. Yeah. And I remember picking, and an early one was Savoy Brown. Again, I talked to Kim Simmons about that. Other earlier ones I picked up. I picked up Muddy Waters. I picked up Howling Wolf. Yeah, uh, and I picked up Shaky Horton, and I picked up Shaky Horton because I've always loved the harmonica, and there's a harmonica yeah. on the cover. Uh, again, you always join to the covers with with LP, yeah, so I picked absolutely. those up, and I loved them. I, I yeah. really, and I could see the connection with the rock music, and I think even today people think with with blues music, with all types of music, it's it's just cut and dried that it's that blues music covers so much, doesn't it? even within it really those three does. three albums that I've talked about. They were so different, yet yeah. all really, really, really good. What were, yeah. what were the early blues people? I mean, what was the early music that you were listening to that influenced you? Well, you know, I would say the early, the earliest music was definitely in my father's church. <laughs> but in addition to that, we had people like uh, I would listen to people like uh, Dixie Hummingbirds, you know, a quartet gospel group you know, from, I guess they started in the late forties, you know, and that music was very much connected, like the blues and the gospel. That's where those two things really meet. Um, I would say the mighty class of joy is another, you know, group. And then BB King, Bobby Bland, 
you know, Prince, all of that kind of stuff, you know, like funk music, James Brown, all of that stuff really early, you know, Jimi Hendrix really early, Stevie Ray Vaughan really early, you know, so it was sort of all of that, you know, I was sort of like just kind of listening to all of it, but I would really say early gospel music, you know, was the big thing, you know, and then we get into B.B. King and, you know, people like that, you know. And then you've you've got your guitar and you're constantly practicing it on it all the time. I'd love to yes. know what, what's the longest. Still to this day. You've got it there. That's great. <laughs> what what's the longest you've gone without playing the guitar? Can you remember how long you've gone without actually holding a guitar? Oh and playing it? man, those are some of my saddest times. <laughs> you know, like because I really now I don't really practice the guitar it's it's more in my mind now and i kind of just conceptualize the guitar you know and just think of different ways to get over my what's in my mind and my heart you know so you know the longest i would say it's just been like maybe on holidays or something like that you know maybe a, a week or something but I know after a few days, even if I say, oh, I'm not going to bring a guitar and it's more than a few <laughs> days, I start to get a little weird because <laughs> this has been my companion for my whole life, yeah. you know, and it's never, the guitar has never let me down in any kind of way. I've maybe let it down, but it's never <laughs> let me down, you know, <laughs> so, it's, the, it's the one constant thing that's been there forever. And I, I definitely, you know, love the guitar and I definitely you know, get reacquainted to it. And I go through times where maybe I don't play it as much and then I get excited. Mm -hmm. And I just love guitars, all different kinds and music and strumming little songs and just sitting there by myself on the couch playing guitar. So it's it's something that's definitely always been there. That's great. I mean, you've brought singing and you, you know, you, you're a vocalist now as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> How has that been for you? That's even think about. <laughs> Well, I, I that was out of necessity. Singing was out of necessity, and it turned into something that I actually want to get better at, and I see myself improving a little bit, and I'm like, oh, okay, wow, okay, so I can play guitar and have that, and I can also sort of be my own man and say what I want to say through mm -hmm. writing songs, you know, so this is a whole new world for me because yeah. my whole life has been guitar and making other people hopefully make them sound a little better, you know, with maybe a part or, a, you know, something. Does, does the confidence for standing up and singing, do you think it comes from going back to the church days with the gospel where everybody's there and everybody's got a voice? Because I should imagine standing on stage with a guitar must be quite nerve-wracking, at least to begin with, when you've got a crowd of people looking at you. But I think it's another step again when you've actually got to sing. I think that's one of the nightmares that people have is, you know, singing or even public speaking. It's something that oh, scares yeah. people. So that's a, another step to, to get confident with. Yeah, you know, for uh, the guitar, it was pretty natural to do it in front of people because I started so young playing in church. And I mean, church people are some of the worst critics <laughs> during my time. They're like, oh, you sound terrible. <laughs> not, not really, but, you know, they're pretty hard on you, you know. So I had a pretty tough crowd early on, so I developed a way to, you know, not be stage fright. But the, the singing, but, you know, even with the singing, like, 
you start to, the more you are prepared, the more you know the lyrics, the more you practice, the less nervous you are. You know, I noticed I, I had this one song that one of the first songs I ever sang, Found Love by Jimmy Reed or Congo Square by Sonny Lander. Those are two songs that I sang from the beginning, pretty much when I first started singing. And I know if I ever sing those songs now, I'm not really that nervous because I just done them so many times. So a note to Kirk Fletcher, a note to myself is to <laughs> always practice a lot singing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, then you won't be as nervous, you know. I watched I watched an interesting interview with you a few days ago, and they were talking about your singing and mm-hmm. how linking it with Karen Carpenter from the Carpenters, oh, a band that man. I grew up listening to and talked about on the show before. Uh-huh. I love the Carpenters. Oh, that's one of my favorite. You know, it's just it's just pure. It's so pure. It's not trying to be anything. It's just you know a woman with a fantastic voice that's so pure and then these arrangements are just so beautiful and so straight ahead and not so you know like colored with all this other stuff is just so direct and her voice was just so pure oh, i yeah. just love it so yeah. much and this i mean this leads us into let's have a chat about my my blues pathway uh, sure. that's, that's coming the out. carpenters the carpenters to my blues pathway i love it <laughs> that's right. it's a natural progression isn't it come on yes, let's face it it really is in my <laughs> world it is <laughs> so th- i mean there's a really good mixture of songs on here where you know the, there's older ones the, there's new songs how how did you make the choice of what songs to do on the album which ones for the newer songs which ones for the older songs because there's so much to choose from well you know i you know it's funny i get asked this question quite a bit yeah, yeah. And, and um you know it's it's just i'm a different person than i was you know we all are i'm sure oh, yeah, definitely 20 25 years ago you know and this is the blues record that I needed to make now, you know, as a, like a reflection on all of the different things that's happened in my life, you know, I mean, and some songs were just holdovers that I love to hear other people like Kim Wilson or whatever sing like Fatten and Frost for Snakes. I used to play that with harmonica players, you know, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to do my own spin on it. And I really love Taj Mahal. So I kind of wanted to marry those things together. So it's sort of, it's sort of a combination of writing songs now, you know, writing original songs and also picking covers that are kind of obscure and kind of my own spin that I've just wanted to do for many years that I never had the courage to do, you know, like, uh, uh, the um, I Rather Fight Than Switch by A.C. Reed. I mean, I heard a friend of mine, uh, Jay Moeller, this drummer, played that song for me years ago, probably 20 years ago, and I've always just wanted to do it. You know, so this was just the golden opportunity to just do some of the songs that I love, and then I went to marry that with originals. But I thought it was important on this record, on this blues record, to do covers too, you know, because in the lineage of of blues artists from the past, a lot of them done like covers and it sort of revitalizes, you know, like, you know, the old, the older artists and their, um, you know, catalog of songs. Exactly. Yeah. 
you know, so I just thought it was, you know, important to do that for this record. It worked with me because I went, I thought, oh, who's who's that artist then? Who's, you know, you recently buy, so then you go back. And I was looking at, at their yeah. past body of work, so it got me interested yeah. in theirs then. So it's just perpetuating the work. You know, it's giving the love back, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. You, you recorded this at the end of last year, is that right? Yeah, at Christmas time last year, yeah. And finished it about the first part, January 2020, yeah. Right before the world went crazy. Exactly, exactly. It's a good <laughs> show you got it recorded then. Yeah, I watched, absolutely. I watched a great documentary the other day about a recording studio here in Wales called Rockfield. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a lot of stuff. It's predominantly in the 70s, but I found it interesting because the bands that went there, they had months to record their albums. Some oh, even stayed yeah. there years. And it's, yeah. it's so different nowadays, isn't it, putting albums in. That luxury of a record company saying... Here's a, here's a few million pounds. Here's a few million dollars. Go and go and spend as long as you want making an album. It, it's completely different now. Is, yeah. is is the pressure good for you? Is I mean the whole music business is completely different. But what's it like putting an album together these days? Well, for me, it's uh, you know I hate to use this word because I know real session players. You know, like some of my friends are like serious. You know studio legends mm -hmm. <laughs> but i really feel like you know i kind of share some of those session musician type things in my playing because i've played you know on quite a few records and stuff like that so i think that i really don't and i'm not one to like you know obsess over anything i really like one or two takes you know so for me to think of recording a record for a long time is just weird you know <laughs> like i i like to um write the song get it all arranged and everything like that and then go in the studio and cut it you know maybe go over it two or three times if if i'm taking longer than that then i don't know if i'm ready so <laughs> i kind of like to do it shorter you know I, I don't really take that much time but in the future I would like to do all the basic tracks and then use the studio to like do more to it, to add things and to color it, but have the core already recorded. So I probably would, cause I always, you know, like I'm pretty good at coming up with ideas, you know, like different, you know, little parts and stuff like yeah. that. So I would just like to exercise that a little bit more down the line, but you know, two weeks or so or a week or whatever that's my last record i recorded in like six days you know wow. so i it doesn't you know i'm totally fine with you know doing things fast because you recorded you know. your previous one here in the uk didn't you uh-huh in bristol yeah yeah does, does, that have any, does that have any difference to the to the feel of where you record are you influenced by your surroundings or are the songs already locked in and and, and where you record doesn't really make that much of a difference well, i think it i w it was such a great experience recording with johnny henderson and matt brown on hold on in bristol because nick dover the the studio owner was such a nice guy and the musicians were incredible and we just went in there and we had we actually every day we only probably spent maybe three 
three hours or something actually recording. I mean, we would go for lunch, we would have coffees, we would, it was so <laughs> relaxing, you know, it was just like the total thing of just having fun. So I do think where you record is sort of important important because you would have a different energy yeah you know like in the uk i really like the uk you know i really like bristol you know i really like different parts of the uk so i'm really kind of comfortable you know there and in la i'm from la so it's just a different kind of vibe it's a little bit more you know under the microscope because all of my friends are like you know think they know everything <laughs> so it's a little bit more under the microscope i can't wait for them to hear this too they're gonna kill me <laughs> but you know it's, it's just different you know yeah but i really like it though i really like the different places you know and it does influence the music i feel yeah and 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 the new album, like I said, that that that's coming out. And normally, I presume you'd be doing live shows to help promote it. You'd be yeah. you'd be out on the road, and we're in a very different place at the moment. What yeah. what have you got planned to to help promote the album to get it into people's ears? And I mean, I, we're talking. It's great that we live in this age. That I'm sat here in Wales, and you're mm-hmm. over you're over there in Switzerland. And we, you know, mm-hmm. we're talking to each other. We can see each other. This is really yeah. good. And, and you, as an artist, have got. There are ways that you can you can still be seen and get out there. But it's so different now. What have you got planned for to help with this album? Well, you know, actually, um, you know, I'm actually getting more opportunities as far as people hearing the record and you know different people. Yeah, just different people hearing the record than I would normally because it's so much you know, going on when everything is normal. So I think people that might not necessarily hear the record before might might get a chance to actually hear my music more now because there isn't much else going on, you know, yeah. in, in some ways, you know. And also living in Switzerland, it's starting to open up just a little bit. You know, I have a couple shows in Italy planned and, you know, France and stuff like that. So there is a small little light at the end of the tunnel, at least enough to make me be able to focus on, okay, there is one show and I'm very, very grateful for that, you know? So that as well as, you know, just doing interviews and, you know, doing my little YouTube Mm -hmm, videos, you know, talking about my, telling my story about, you know, things I've learned, you know, throughout my career. It's just been really great for me just to have a place to release, you know. Yeah. And I've got the first singles out from the album as well. Yeah. Yeah, and people have been really uh, complimentary and said some really nice things. So that's definitely nice, especially right now when, you know, everything is turned upside down. So I'm just trying to remember the things that I love most about music and trying to stay positive and, you know, things like that and just hope for the best, you know, really. Well, I can reassure everybody watching this and listening to this that the rest of the album is really good too. If you've only heard the single, the rest of the album is really good too. You're all in for a treat at the end of September. Uh, Thank you. And people know that because they know one of the things about the interview shows that I do. I only do interview shows with people whose work that I love. 
So when you know when I say I really love the work, it's not for the sake of we're talking to each other. It is genuine. I really do love the work. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing the interview. So thank yeah, you congratulations so much. again on on a fantastic album. Um, thank you. To, to wrap everything up, uh, mm -hmm. what's the best way that people can find you online, follow what you're doing, keep up to date with everything that you've got going on? Well, there's the um, there's my website, KirkFletcherBand.com. There's my Facebook, Kirk Fletcher. There's uh, Instagram, Kirk Fletcher Music, and the record label is Cleopatra Records that the label that the record is on. And yeah, I would say that that's the best way to find out what's going on with me. Well, all yeah. those links will be in the podcast notes, so people can yeah. follow you easily. Uh -huh. I do hope that the world starts to get some sort of normality. I really hope you can get over to, here to the UK, especially. Absolutely. I always say this as well, especially to North Wales, where we are. Yeah. Would be, <laughs> you'd be always welcome Absolutely. in North Wales, Kirk. You really would. Thank you so much. Well, for Thank the sake you. of the interview, we shall say goodbye. And it's, it's been a pleasure chatting to, with you and uh, hopefully not for the last time too. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kirk. Goodbye. Goodbye. And the alarm bell, as always, brings to an end another interview show. Another interview show that I really enjoyed doing. You heard me say it to Kirk on the show. You know it by now if you're a regular listener. I only interview people whose work I really love. So it's, it's always a pleasure having a chat to them. It's always a great time that I have. Hopefully that comes across in the show as you're listening to it. Uh, or maybe watching it, like I said at the beginning, it's also available on our YouTube channel. The ways that you can do to help support us, visit the website. That's the hub of everything that we do, 60minuteswith.co.uk. Everything's on there. News, reviews, podcasts, affiliate links to different places. Scarily, we're getting ever closer to Christmas. If you do any of your shopping, or any shopping at all, it doesn't have to be Christmas shopping. If you do it from Amazon UK, please use the affiliate link on our website. It's only a couple of clicks more from what you'd normally do. You pay no extra. We don't know who you are. And uh, Amazon throw just a little bit of money at us, so it helps to keep the podcast and website online. Helps to, well, I've just upgraded some of the audio equipment here. I mentioned it on a previous show. I don't know if you've noticed if I'm sounding different. I'm still tweaking everything. <laughs> Hopefully I sound okay. Uh, so it, oh, everything goes podcast-wise. It's all put into uh, into everything that you listen to. So buying through that would be great. Another way that you can help us is leave us a review. We've made it simple as anything. There's a listener feedback page on the website. Just send us an email. I'll put it up on there. Again, it's something that we point uh, celebrities, PR companies to when we're sorting out these interview shows. And they say, oh, the show's got good feedback. We'll do an interview with them. Two minutes of your time could mean getting a show with, I don't know, with anybody. So that would be very much appreciated. The last thing that you can do, uh, the World Tour page is now back in action. And if you're sat there thinking, what on earth is the World Tour page? Again, just go to the website, look at the World Tour page that we've got on there. It's all in the drop-down boxes. It's really easy to do. Yes, you can be part of a World Tour uh, it's and just have a look. It's great. We've got the new logo. We've got the new business card up on there that you can print out or just show on your phone. Or I've also added, if you'd like to buy us a coffee via our Kofi page, the money from that I shall use to uh, pop a few business cards into an envelope and personally post them to you. And you can carry them around wherever you may go in the world and add more pictures to our world tour page. So to finish the show, what better way to finish the show? What a little bonus 
you audio show people get as opposed to the YouTube ones, as well as listening to me ramble on at the beginning of these shows and at the end. We're also going to finish with the latest single from Kirk. It's from the upcoming album, No Blues Pathway. As I said at the beginning, released on September the 25th from Cleopatra Records. And the single is called No Place to Go. Another man's shame You're happy today 